Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, everybody? Thank you all so much for chiming in for the latest show here at Rangers Review, either here in the live stream on YouTube or, or wherever you get your podcasts. As this is episode 60 now for Staff Boy Steven and myself, Wardy. And unfortunately, this is, you know, a discussion today that, yes, the Rangers are no longer in playoff contention. They are now out. Their season is officially done. And it's bittersweet looking back on what went right and some of what went wrong for the Rangers and how they faltered there in game six against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But overall, we have a lot to break down on really recapping the year that was for the New York Rangers. So that is exactly what Steven and I will be doing to open up today's segment, taking a quick look on how the Rangers faltered there in the Eastern Conference Finals. Again, what were the issues? What can we nitpick going forward at least? Along with the Rangers as a whole, how did this past season go for them and why us Ranger fans should be so unbelievably excited about the future that is ahead for them? Along with taking a look at what is then next for the New York Rangers as they have quite the busy offseason coming up between endless free agents, both restricted and unrestricted, to be evaluating on their future, the draft, taking a look at some prospect updates, and so much more. So a big discussion. Hopefully we'll get to answering some questions here for my viewers in the live stream as well. No less, even with them being out of the playoffs, I'm still very excited to get into this discussion. I hope you guys are too. So before we go any forward, thank you all so much for chiming in, watching live or on replay. And Steven, how are you today, my friend? Doing great. Um, you know, it's does it suck that the Rangers are eliminated? Yeah, of course. I mean, Absolutely. you always want them to go to go all the way and win 16 games in the postseason. But let's let's be real here. We made the playoffs for the first time in five years. Uh, and I'm not counting qualifying round for this because, you know, that's to get into the playoffs, as Joe Micheletti said on the broadcast. First time in five years, we're back in the postseason. We make it. We make it basically to Game Six of the Eastern Conference Finals. We're two wins away from making it to the final. I think it has been a huge success for the Rangers this season. No matter how you look at it, um, we have a Vezina caliber season from our goalie. Uh, we have Chris Kreider who put up 50 plus goals in a single season. Uh, Zbanejad hit 80 points. Adam Fox, a defenseman, hitting 70 points. Um, uh, Panarin was on pace for a hundred points. If he didn't have a couple of injuries, he would have actually hit it. Um, and just the kids too, you know, Lafreniere, Carco, Hedl, Miller, Schneider, um, this postseason has, has given us a little extra to, uh, to enjoy. Um, and ultimately we played 20 more games than we should have, you know, in normally, you know, uh, before we, we make the playoffs. 102 games of Rangers hockey. Um, I'm already looking forward to October. And this offseason is going to be one of the easiest to uh, to adjust to for me. Um, I'm not upset the Rangers are eliminated. Uh, I might be a little disappointed with the way how, but, you know, we made it further than, than, than I could have imagined. So um, big step for the Rangers, you know, really big performance this year. And, you know, the similarities with the Chicago Blackhawks are there. But I'll, I'll get into that in a second, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Um, before we do, I think it's important that we just take a quick deep dive. I know no one wants to dwell on it long. We just want to focus on what's ahead for the Rangers and not so much what just transpired. But I think it's important that we just quickly break down. And I'll, Steven, I'll have you run things there for game six and just really how the Rangers unraveled because I will say, Steven, I know you do not believe in jinxes, but I got to give you with the you were the fattest jinx of them all just from our previous recording. Steven's like, oh, the Tampa, they can't play any better than this. We've seen already the best of them. What they do? They play their best hockey over the next three games to end up eliminating the Rangers in six games. So, yes, Stephen, there is a jinx, something to take into consideration going forward, please. Um, but all jokes aside, yeah, the Ranger team, we all know the story. They got off to a phenomenal start in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then, unfortunately, some bad luck in Game 3 that I was concerned about giving up that goal in the final minute. And that really felt like a momentum shift that my biggest concern held true as Tampa would then stay dominant and would be able to lug out wins even though that, for the most part, they were close games, especially there that we saw in Game 6. I mean, it just tells you that this Tampa team, they are still above what the New York Rangers are right now. The Rangers were gassed more than anything. You could tell that back-to-back series going seven games for a young team that, again, is finally gained together with this core group. They just couldn't combat the likes of a Tampa Bay Lightning team that, yes, don't get me wrong, they've had deep runs past few years being back-to-back champs, but they had a quick series against the Panthers, and they know at the end of the day, with that experience, how to win these games, especially these one-goal games when it matters most. So the better team came out victorious in the end. I don't have too much of an ill will with Tampa. I will certainly be rooting for the Avalanche here in the Stanley Cup Finals. they got to be honest, because they are just due, and I would love to see them finally win a cup. But it's going to be entertaining uh, battle between the two, no less. And for the Rangers, definitely some things to look at. Definitely some nitpicking with the coaching. I know the biggest gripe for many, including myself, will be in part with Capo Caco not being in game six. With Gerard Gallant's reasoning after saying he would not answer in the original post-game presser, he said today, as everyone was doing their you know exit interviews and goodbyes, that he just made what he felt was the proper decision to help the Rangers win. And again, it is what it is at the end of the day. Uh, personally, I would have liked Kako there in Game 6, regardless on the lack of offensive production he had as of late there in the Eastern Conference Finals. But again, I'm not going to spend too much time to harp on it. Tampa was a better team in the end, and now we can really just look ahead and evaluate what was, in my opinion, an unbelievably strong year for the Rangers that should not be diminished one bit just because of the fact that they fell short there in the ECF. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, the Rangers fell short, but they fell short against the best team in the league, uh, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And, you know, yeah, the Rangers are a really young team. And, you know, looking at the Chicago Blackhawks in the, um, in the mid-2000s, you know, they, they had a they had a, a rough couple of years, they had some high draft picks, you know, Ken Barker, uh, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. Um, and then uh, 07, 08, you know, they had a, a win percentage of, uh, of 0.537. So above 500, still didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Rangers last season, 0.536, still didn't make the playoffs. They're almost identical. Um, then this year, uh, Rangers 0.622, the Blackhawks in 0809 0.634, both teams under a new coach, make it all the way to the conference final. Um, and that is that is the experience you need. I know people have been saying, well, what if we don't make it back here? Uh, you kind of think that way. You know, you have to look at this team and realize that there is a lot to be excited about. Yes, we have players that are veterans, but... Look at Fox, Lindgren, Miller, Schneider, Kako, Lafreniere, Hedl. Uh, we have Jones and Lundqvist in Hartford on defense. Robertson, if you want to include him there too. 
uh, prospects at forward. We have Brennan Othman, Will Cooley, Brett Berard, Ryder Korzak, Adam Edstrom, Med Rempe. They're all coming over in, in either now or in the coming years. This team is going to – they're not going to hit on all prospects, but you're going to have at least some who are going to turn into something. You know, you, we have a lot of chips on the table, and you're going to win with one of those chips. Um, and, you know, the Rangers are – ahead of schedule compared to the Blackhawks, compared to the Penguins, compared to the Bruins and the Kings, who did like more of a retool than a full rebuild in a salary cap era. Um, I'm just excited about what, what the Rangers have been able to do this season. And they weren't even playing their best hockey. You know, um, now it's up to Drury to to get them to the next level, to to get the missing pieces that make this team even better, that make this team more structured, that give this team the ability to control games, not just win them. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way of putting it, right? It's what we've emphasized, at least I know have all year long, is the context of everything, right? It's like, if you're winning games, how are you winning games? We saw in the first half of the Rangers this season, you all know this by now, but they were winning a lot of games. But if you look at how they were doing it, it was basically with Adam Fox and Igor Shosturkin single-handedly carrying them. You know, there was a complete lack of bottom six potential there and just overall production there. And then once we got to the trade deadline, things completely turned on its head. The Rangers had some more consistencies defensively down the stretch, but they were also make up, making up for it with great five-on-five -five play, far better than what you saw originally in the first half of the season. So Drury hit the nail on the head the best way possible with those trade deadline acquisitions, and that is really what's going to make things such a fun and interesting test for him as the Rangers, again, do not have all the cap space in the world. They have a lot of guys that are going to be due for big paydays. So the likelihood of bringing back even the majority of what the Rangers acquired and who is available right now in the free agent market is slim to none. They're going to have to be very strategic. We're going to see what type of trades potentially may transpire with guys currently on the roster or, of course, in the prospect system. And then go from there. We're going to be deep diving here shortly exactly who are the restricted and unrestricted free agents for the Rangers. But lo and behold, if you look at what Drury has been able to do after what was a pretty suspect offseason last year, especially with the Pavel Buchnevich deal, we, we're always going to know about that. But for him to rebound and quite literally take this Ranger team single-handedly to another level all because of the moves that he made without giving up any top prospects other than another, a nice young stud who has, you know, tops, I would say at most a uh, third line potential Morgan Barron at this point in time in the cop trade. Other than that, you know, the Rangers gave up little to nothing and acquired guys that were the biggest X factors for them in large part this season and in playoff time when it mattered most. So it's definitely positive to look at for what Drury was able to do more than anything. You know, Gallant definitely had his ups and downs this year, but let's give credit where credit's due. Gallant, in his first year with the Rangers, took this team to another level, just what you would hope a veteran coach like himself would do now in his first year of not being a retooling team, but now a playoff contending team. But Chris Drury's first year as GM, right, finally taking control, I would say that this year was nothing short of a resounding, a truly massive success, not just for the roster, but for the front office that was controlling and ultimately art was articulate and building this roster together. I mean, just from the top down, huge credit to everyone with what they were able to do for the Rangers this year. But now they have a massive test, an exciting one, no less, for them this offseason, which should be anything uh, anything but short of entertaining. So a, lo a lot's going to happen, that's for certain. Yeah, and, and, and looking at the division we're in as well, you know, uh, of course, you're going to see some changes there. Um, I know I've been saying this for the last like five years, but I think this upcoming season is going to be the year where we see the Penguins and the Capitals drop off. 
You know, the Capitals were were basically the, the eighth team in, to, in, in the playoffs this year. The Islanders are going to be better. Um, the Penguins are losing potentially Latang and Malkin. So it's going to be hard for them to keep to keep performing the way they have been. Um, and then looking at the rest of the division, I think the Devils are going to be a bit of a, a bit of a surprise in a positive way. Um, but the only team I'm worried about coming into next season is the Carolina Hurricanes, and we've shown that that we can beat them. We we know what it takes to to get the better of them, and the Carolina Hurricanes overachieved this season. Um, so uh, it, it remains to be seen if they can repeat that. But yeah, the, the the Metropolitan Division will be between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. We have a pretty good chance to finish at the very least top two in the division. Um, and you know, Panarin, uh, I know he played through injury in the playoffs. I'm 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 sure of it. Um, in the regular season, he's a hundred point player. You know, uh, he's still going to put up points. Uh, Zibanejad has really proven this postseason that he is a player that belongs on the first line. He is a top 10 center in the league. And not just regular season, but he's, he's done it in the postseason now as well. Uh, third most points by a Ranger in a single postseason, trailing only Brian Leach and Mark Messier in 1994. And Mika Zibanejad and also Adam Fox have had great postseasons. That's what you build on. That's what you build on. You know, that's what you use as the as the foundation. And I've said this several times. When the Ranger, it's not even a question of if for me. You know, I think the Rangers are going to win a cup in the next five years. When the Rangers win a cup in the next five years, this postseason is going to be looked back at as the cornerstone. This is where it all started. This is where they had their first run. Uh, this is where players like Ryan Strom, Andrew Kopp, Frank Vetrano, even if they don't come back, they're going to feature in like the the uh, the prologue of the documentary. If there's a documentary that comes out on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever the media will be by then, this postseason is going to be where it starts. Yeah, you emphasized that the, in our last episode just a couple of days ago, and I agree with you. You know, this again. The fact that this was the Rangers' first year of really adjusting from the retool to now playoff contending and to be able to have that impact the way that they did. Yeah, this experience goes such a long way, regardless on the either amount of production or lack thereof that you saw with some of the guys. I mean, Keandre Miller, especially the young kids looking at them, and Keandre, Laffey, Heedle, who I think Heedle, again, just really played himself in a great position to potentially be on this Rangers team longer than maybe what you initially expected. The Rangers did not make playoffs this year. Yes, I know he's only 21-22, but again, there's a lot of uncertainties on the Rangers' future given the current cap situation they have. But they stand out. Kako, again, he's an interesting one, too, that we'll get into. But regardless on the production or lack thereof they had, it was huge for him to get this get this experience to build on what they say did wrong, what they did right. And that can really blossom into something special that yes, years down the road, hopefully after their first and multiple championships, they can look down on this 2021, 2022 season and say, yeah, this was a big deal. And this is where we really started to turn the page into something great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course I understand the disappointment of, of getting eliminated, but at the start of the season, you know, we're talking about October 2021. If anyone would have told you the Rangers are going to make it to game six of the conference finals, would anyone have said, oh, that's not going to be enough? No. 
the Rangers finished, I think, well, definitely top 10, maybe top five in points this season in the league. Um, what, what, what more do you want? You know, um, this is a really good first step towards becoming a contender. And right now, it becomes the difficult task of Chris Drury to, to build on this, to find the missing pieces, to find the players who are bringing what this team still needs. And it's difficult to really pinpoint what that is, but I can, I can tell you what it needs to resolve in. Better five-on-five five play uh, and more puck possession. If yeah. you can go out and find a player that, that improves those areas for the Rangers, whether it's in a free agency or in a trade, or maybe one of the guys we've drafted over the last couple of years, great. That's what we need. And honestly, I think a guy like Zach Jones or Nils Lundqvist on defense is going to bring at least that possession aspect to the game. Yeah, they're going to be a lot of fun to evaluate that we'll be talking extensively on throughout the offseason. You know, those are two guys that either one truly has the potential to be that puck movie defenseman to help drive the offense some more, too, and take the a uh, little bit of the load off the shoulders of the likes of Adam Fox and Jacob Truba. Truba to a lesser extent than Fox. But, you know, when you look at the Rangers having the balance of Braun and Nemeth, Nemeth, they got to figure out what to do with that contract because that was atrocious from the start, and they're learning that the hard way, even though that, mo even though that most fans could have probably saw that from a mile away last offseason. But Baron, who's now a free agent, I, I don't expect him to return as of now, but no less, there should be a spot for one of those guys to step up like we originally expected this year with, you know, Braden Schneider being the biggest surprise of them all. I think we could probably agree this season, not just making the Rangers, but having a significant impact. So now it's the balance of, okay, Schneider stepped up when he wasn't expected to. So who is going to step up now? Is Matthew Robertson going to be the unsung hero now in the 2022-2023 Rangers? Is it going to, in fact, be Niels? Is it going to be Zach Jones? You know, these are great questions that I'm going to have so much fun evaluating, especially as we get down the stretch eventually to, you know, training camp, you know, and, of course, preseason before the year. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to having those discussions. But, yes. They, one of those players very well could be an X-Factor for the Rangers next season. And that's a great thought because the more young, homegrown talent that can be developed in this organization and actually thrive, the better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a long offseason on the one hand, but it's also going to be a fun one. Absolutely. And before we go forward, I just want to shout out everyone that's been chiming in here in the live stream. If you're listening, wherever you get your podcast, thank you so much, too. If you're wondering how to chime in the live shows, please don't hesitate from just, again, following us on the Rangers Review YouTube channel, having those notifications on all that fun stuff so that way you don't miss out on podcasts live like this. Uh, let's see. Uh, Poppy Rican Ranger, a great supporter on the channel, just sent a $20 super sticker. So thank you so much for that. He says, uh, thanks, Stephen Awardy. Great knowledge and insights. Thanks for all the spaces and the podcast. Steven's done a great job doing consistent Twitter spaces as well, guys. Please make sure to check him out on his Twitter if you haven't already. That's Stapoy underscore Steven doing a great job over there on his own platform. But, you know, Steven, I think now let's kind of pivot into what's next for the Rangers because I don't think we need to harp on too much on what transpired already. I just know that looking back, this is a year that will always be magical for us fans. Chris Kreider, this may very well have been his anomaly of a year or just a season where he never touches Similarly, 
similarly to what he did this year. You know, having the amount of goals that he did, that's a huge takeaway for me and something that I will miss depending on what we get from Kreider in the years going forward. Kreider should have a Sion's chest next year. You can't tell me otherwise. I think it's about time that we put that to bed on the uncertainties with captains. That's something I hope that we see by the time next season begins. I feel it's like almost two years long overdue now. But Igor, who had not just a Vezina caliber year where he's 100% the Vezina winner, but a heart caliber year as well, was massive for the Rangers in playoffs when they need him to after a rough start there in the Pittsburgh series, in Pittsburgh especially. I mean, just so many amazing contributions from this club. And they definitely have the core group to build something special that we've now seen now and in the years going forward. But looking back, yeah, it's always going to be bittersweet on knowing that we may have seen some of the best years for these respective players. But... Talking about now what's next for the Rangers, Stephen, we have a lot coming up, and I think it's important that we just talk about really, I think, what will probably be more so the bulk of today's discussion, at least on the offseason side of things and its preview, is they're unrestricted and restricted for agents. We have been asked these questions endless times. We've touched on it sometimes, and we have it on others. Finally talk about it. We can finally talk about it, and I don't think we're going to go to the extent of knowing everything and breaking down everything because we're going to talk about these guys so much over the next couple months up until they either come back to the Rangers or if they sign somewhere else or if guys are traded. But the Rangers have a laundry list, as we know, of restricted and unrestricted for agents right now. And that includes the likes of the restricted side, Andrew Kopp, Ryan Strom, Tyler Mott, Vitrano, Rooney, McKegg, and Braun. Restricted for agents, you have Kako, Yoriev, Gautier and Blay. So we got a lot of them and a lot of guys that have significance on this roster. And with the Rangers only having a certain amount of cap space, if I'm not mistaken, they only have right around 13 million in space right now. Is that correct, Stephen? Something like that. Yeah. And yeah. And, and for that with that 13 million, they have to sign, I think, five forwards, a defenseman, and a backup goat. Yeah, so that's going to be anything but easy. And that's why when you looked at what they did at the trade deadline, it was awesome that they took advantage of the extended cap that they had then. But you knew that as soon as this run would end in 2022, then, you know, more often than not, we're not going to see some guys back that we would probably like. You know, there's definitely some guys that I'm concerned will not return. And just for the most part, I think it comes down to who is going to make the cut between Ryan Strom and Andrew Kopp. Could the Rangers part with both? Yes, anything's, anything can happen. But I would say it's a fair argument that one of the two will return to the New York Rangers. The question is who and who's a better fit, right? Because Cop, we know, came off just guns a-blazing right away from the trade deadline for the Rangers. And in the playoffs, he had some up-and-down games, but for the most part, he was consistent throughout 36 total games for the Rangers this year. And I'll be saying this for all the other players, too. Combined playoff numbers and regular season numbers. With the Rangers, Cop in 36 games had 14 goals, 18 assists for 32 points. Great numbers for Andrew Kopp, and he said in his presser today that he definitely wants to return. He feels like there's unfinished business, and you're going to hear that from most Rangers that are exiting today as well. Petrano said the same exact thing. Ryan Strom has made it abundantly clear he's a New York Ranger, doesn't want to go anywhere. Most guys are under the same wavelength that they would like to return. But again, we know that this is a business at the end of the day. Your personal feelings will only take you so far, depending on what the Rangers are going to prioritize. No less, Cop, I think, deserves, by all means, a chance to return to this New York Rangers club, and he may just be prioritized more than any other player. Now, when looking at Ryan Strom, he's an interesting one as well. I know that many fans are still cooped up about him missing the open net there in Game 6, as he did famously throughout his entire Rangers tenure. Just empty nets of Ryan Strom are like Rick Nash and empty nets. They just, they just don't go together for whatever reason. And it's definitely frustrating. You know, it was a gag at first. Now it's like, okay, this needs to stop. Ryan Strom said earlier today at the time of being live here that 
Halfway through the season, he started to have a pelvis inj injury, and that continued and got drastically worse in the playoffs, which, of course, you could clearly tell Reinstrom was maybe at best playing 50%. I think even that is stretching it a bit that we saw there in the Eastern Conference Finals. But no less, throughout his entire year's totals in 93 total games, had 23 goals, 40 assists for 63 points, and again, was dealing with a nagging injury for quite some time. As for other players, again, it doesn't, I don't think you can use it too much as an excuse just because at the end of the day, you're playing. So the same way that everyone in playoffs isn't fully healthy, you can, if it's one of those things where he's an anomaly and no one else is hurt, then okay, I think it's a little bit more justified. But most, if not all players can play off time or playing through some type of injury to varying degrees. So that is something to look at with Stroma's performance, no less. Um, and he's a guy where, I would be a little surprised to think if the Rangers bring him back. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think the Rangers may favor Cop right away. Just given the Cop's age right now, I think he's slightly younger than Stromer, around the same age, and also can play the wings. So I think his versatility really makes him a little bit more appealing for this team. And it really will come down to, are one of these guys potentially willing to either take a shorter term deal, you know, or is it something where maybe high AV over longer term, a part of me, longer term deal, but shorter term high AV. And maybe it's one of those things that gets stronger on the AAV down the stretch of the contract. Maybe it starts a little low. And then by the time that you get towards the latter half of it, it really starts to spike up when the Rangers are assumed to have more cap room. That's something that for sure, uh, for sure, I'm sure Drury and the entire front office will be weighing. But then you have the other guys I know. The one guy that Steve and I both desperately want to return to the Rangers is not, not going to cost you an arm and a leg that I fully believe is realistic as long as he wants to return, and that is Tyler Mott. Yes, did Tyler Mott only have two points in 24 total games as a New York Ranger? Yes, but we all know that Tyler Mott is something where you don't base statistics off of. He is just exactly what you want from a fourth-line winner slash center, however you utilize him for the Rangers. He's huge on the penalty kill. He gets in the nitty and gritty in those corners, and he's that guy that you want come playoff time, and it's vital because there aren't many guys available out there consistently that can grind things out and be a perfect balance both five on five and on special teams in your bottom six, the way that Tyler Mott has been. So especially when looking at Mott, I think Steve and I were in agreement. There's one guy that we like a thousand percent want to return to the New York Rangers. It is him. But going on to a couple more free agents, we have Frankie Vitrano. Vitrano is an interesting one too, because is he going to cost you an arm and a leg? No, but is it possible that other teams can for certain outpay what the Rangers could provide, knowing that they can lock up a guy who, again, has great speed on the wing and provided a good amount of offense in a short period of time for the Rangers and could benefit another contending club that is looking for a piece like him. Yes, I definitely think that's possible. Vitrano and 42 career games with the Rangers, both playoffs and season combined, 13 goals, 13 assists for 26 points. I, I loved everything that Vitrano provided, and I would love to see him back with the Rangers. I know he wants to be here. He said it himself. Would he maybe take a little team-friendly deal on a one- or two-year deal to keep things afloat here with this core group? Possibly. Again, another guy to weigh. Then we have the three guys that I, I will be a little surprised if they do return in the Kevin Rooney's, the McKegs, and the Bronze of the world for multiple reasons, but mainly the fact that the Rangers are going to continue to build depth through their farm, and we may see some guys make an impact as early next, as next season for the Rangers that they've drafted forward-wise over the past couple of years. But Rooney, 76 games played this year, six goals, eight assists, 14 points. Rooney definitely had his struggles down the stretch and didn't look as good as what you'd like from him in that bottom six in playoff time. McKegg in 43 games this year got played far more than he should have. He won't be back. We know that. Two goals, three assists for five points. And then Braun, who definitely was the better between himself and Nemeth come playoff time, 27 career games with the Rangers, one goal, two assists, three points. I would be a little surprised if, if the Rangers bring Bron, uh, Braun back. I'm not opposed to it if they do it for a one-year deal. However, I don't love the idea of the Rangers and their youth 
being blocked more than what it's already been. So, Stephen, what's kind of your quick outlook on those unrestricted free agents right now before we deep dive the list of the Rangers that are currently restricted? Yeah, uh, Tyler Mott, well, number one priority for me. Um, again, I've said this many times. I think Tyler Mott's impact on the Rangers is bigger than Andrew Cobb's. Um, and I'm not even sure the Rangers signed Andrew Cobb. They might go with a different in a different direction in free agency. Uh, we'll see. But the way Tyler Mott has played, the Rangers would be foolish to not sign him to an extension. Mainly because of the fact that signing Mott is not going to directly change anything for you. Well, that, but what also you know? the impact he, he, he's had, you know, yep. the penalty kill looks completely different with him on the ice. Absolutely. Um, interesting. Uh, I, I probably mentioned this before, you know, sorry, the spaces and these recordings started to blur together a little bit after the okay. last couple of weeks, but. Tyler Mott and Artemi Panero are both part of the same trade that set Brendan Saad from Columbus back to Chicago. Ooh, I did not even know that Mott was part of that deal. So that's a fun little fact for you. So they played together in Chicago and in Columbus. Okay, so there you go. Even a little bit more of a connection than what me, so, we yeah. were um, Yeah, Mott's my number one priority. And then after that, Vetrano is going to be too expensive unless he wants to take a discount. Yeah, unless uh, he wants you, to take a discount. Exactly. And you know it's it's of course it's rare, but it's not it's not unheard of. Uh, Justin Schultz back in 2016 uh, took a pay cut from I think 3.8 to 1.7 million to stay with the Penguins and chase a cup. You know it happens sometimes. Um, it's rare though, so I'm I'm not expecting players to take a pay cut. Um, Braun as a seventh defenseman, assuming that they get rid of Nemeth, I'm on board with. Um, if Galland actually uses him as a seventh defenseman. Yeah, that's the big if. And it's something tells me right off the jump that, you know, it's good to have security with someone like him, but it also I don't think would be outlandish to suggest that just a year change of Braun from now until next season could be pretty significant. You know, he's not getting a younger, he's a veteran mm. defenseman. And those guys, you don't, I don't really know exactly how much you would get from him from a defensive standpoint next year. Again, he impressed in a lot of ways for me this year, kept things afloat, but it, the bar is kind of low as well when you have Patrick Nemeth as your starting point. So yeah. that's one but, thing to definitely weigh Justin when Braun reminds me. Justin Braun reminds me a lot of Steve Eminger. Yeah, I see those similarities for sure. A guy that has playoff experience, played for other teams, uh, doesn't expect a bigger role. He's happy with the minutes he's, he's getting. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. A mod should be the number one priority. Cop, if they don't have better options in free agency, then I think Cop's gonna be back and and Strom and Vetrano are gonna be gone. Yeah. And again, it'll be interesting because it's fun out these discussions because we can assume all we want, but who the hell knows? Maybe the Rangers are somehow, some way going to be able to part with Jacob Truba, even with the clause on his deal and just something drastic happens for this team. Like we literally, we don't have a clue. We can assume all we want, but that's why this dialogue is fun and just seeing who's going to be more wrong or right based on our assumptions. But getting on now to the restricted free agents because the Mets do have a, uh, not Mets, pardon me, the Rangers. I'm always stuck in Mets mode because I've talked, I've talked about them every day. But for the Rangers, it starts off with the man who, again, was the talk of game six for the Rangers, not because of his performance, but because he didn't play in Capo Caco. 
Kako this season, some similarities for you based on his previous year. And 62 total games this year in playoffs and regular season, nine goals, 14 assists for 23 points. Why is that similar, you might ask? Because he had the same amount of points and four games more last year for the Rangers. So Kako has yet to take a new step in his game from an offensive production level. Yes, he dealt with his injuries this year, which were most certainly a factor, 100%. But there is no denying that Kako's lack of uprise is something to keep an eye on for the Rangers on how they will evaluate his future. You know, he's someone that I most certainly want to see back. I want them to tag him up to potentially a longer-term deal if they can take advantage of the lack of offensive production we've seen from Kako at this point and really try to ride him out and blossom in, into something great. He's only 21 years of age. He's not someone that I think is warranted to give up on this soon by any stretch of the imagination. I think there's still endless potential there with Capo Kako, and you can't tell me otherwise. But you have another forward who, again, has had more of a leash and is someone where I really do – I will be curious of what the Rangers do with him and if another team maybe just wants his rights, and that is Julian Gauthier. Gauthier, of course, played in 49 games for the Rangers this year, but was just more of the same. The man that still has struggled to get acclimated from the AHL to the AHL level. Of course, if we put things in perspective, this is someone that, again, doesn't know when he's playing. He's a healthy scratch every couple of games. You know, he's just taking how, however much ice time he will get whenever he's in the lineup. So that is something to weigh on his production. You know, if he, say, played a full season with the Rangers, at minimum averaging 10, uh, 10 minutes a game, how would he look? That is something to take into account, too, because he didn't get nearly enough playing time, in my opinion, when David Quinn was the head coach. And that felt like it was the most vital time for him to really get the long leash to see what we have. And now this year, it was really up and down with him. Three goals, four assists, seven points. Gautier is now entering, you know, his not just his mid-20s, but I believe he's 26, 27 now. Not getting any younger uh, for a guy that was originally a first-round draft pick all those years ago in 2015 or 2016. Definitely will be an interesting case come this offseason, but I don't think it would be a crazy surprise if Gautier's time with the Rangers may have ended should his rights potentially get traded somewhere else to a team that can give him more ice time, like, I don't know, an Arizona Coyotes, for example, a more of a bottom feeder that has a leash, if you will, in their top nine and overall uh, forward group. But then we have Sammy Blay. Blay is a restrictive free agent. Blay's going to be back 100%. I think the Raiders want to see what Sammy Blay can provide and the majority of a normal A2 game season. So I'm not really concerned about him. I'm excited to see what type of production he can provide for the Raiders when he's back and with this team next season. But then we have Alexander Georgiev, the man that you and I have single-handedly seesawed so much back and forth. You know, he, had, he looked terrible in large parts this year, was really strong, stepped up big for the Rangers in playoffs. And the two games that he appeared, he only had a 2.04 goals a lot average and a 9.35 save percentage. So he definitely stepped up when the Rangers need him to in different outings. But throughout the season, regular season at least, in 33 games, at 292 goals a lot average at 898 save percentage, I think Georgiev definitely has potential to be a piece to be traded, especially with not just the type of money he's potentially looking for right now, but how the Rangers are currently constructing things. They also have some solid depth right now, goaltending there in the farm that could start to blossom as soon as next season. So because of all those reasons and knowing that you may be able to get something back for Georgiev when you're trying to dump him for cap reasons, knowing that a lot of teams can use goaltending, especially controllable young goaltending, I definitely think that there still is a market for Alexander Georgiev, and he's a guy that I would be pretty surprised if he returns to the Rangers come October later this year. Uh, regarding the restricted free agents, however, Stephen, any more comments you'd like to share with them, especially Capo Caco? Uh, I think Kako is going to be back. I see a lot of rumors about Kako leaving, and I think that's nonsense. I really do. Sheet and Kako, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but a couple of days ago, the signing of another restricted free agent was announced. 
And who was that? Vitaly Kravtsov is back yes, for one year. Yes, it was. And I'm glad that you brought up Vitaly because last this past year in only 19 games, keep that in mind, with Tractor there in the KHL, he still put up good numbers. And 19 games, had six goals, seven assists for 13 points. And now he, of course, is on that one-year deal with the Rangers. So even if he gets sent down, as you've alluded to before, he will still be making the same amount of pay that he would at the NHL level. And I believe it's, what, $875,000? Uh, the $75,000 is his signing bonus, so his base okay. salary is $800,000, but it is a one-way contract, which means that the salary will be the same in the AHL. Um, he is also waiver eligible because he is three years removed from signing his entry-level contract. Now, there's some misconception about how waivers work, uh, waivers works, and that it has something to do with the contract, which is not true. Um Interesting. I have an example to even prove that to you as well. But um, Vitaly Kravtsov is uh, has to pass through waivers if the Rangers want to send him down. Um, so I don't think he's going to be in Hartford even for a single day. Now, the other free agent they signed and that they announced today is Gustav Riedal, a center from Sweden. I think we talked about him a couple of weeks ago because uh, the news broke out of Sweden already that he signed with the Rangers. Now, he also signed a one-year, one-year, one-way contract with the Rangers, which means that the salary will be the same even if he's in Hartford. But he doesn't have to clear waivers. He's waiver-exempt because it's his first contract. Um, so interesting there, they give him a, a one-way deal guaranteeing his NHL salary even if he goes back to the AHL, which is interesting because that, that rarely happens, that a player is on a one-way deal and doesn't have to pass through waivers. And the last time that happened, to my recollection, is back in 2010, uh, the Rangers signed a player from Switzerland, um, and they also gave him a one-way deal because they wanted to keep him in North America. Uh, I don't know if people listening here remember his name, but Andres Ambu from Switzerland. Yeah, that's, I, I wouldn't know. that. Okay. You, you're getting me with that one. <laughs> uh, signed a one-year deal with the Rangers, never played for the Rangers, but they sent him down to Hartford. But because he had a one-way contract, he was earning his NHL salary even when he was in the AHL. And by doing so, you are able to – the player doesn't have a reason to go back to Europe. If, if they're yep. on a two-way deal, they only earn 70 k in Hartford, they go back to Switzerland where they make two, 300000 a year. It's an easy decision to go back. So by paying them the full salary, they get to they get to evaluate them for a whole season. Uh, back in 2010 with Andres Ambu, it didn't really result in anything. But with Riedal, who knows? Uh, Riedal is is projected to be a fourth line center in the NHL. So uh, it is some competition for Kevin Rooney uh, if the Rangers decide to hang on to him. Um, but worst case scenario, it is a uh, it is a veteran presence in Hartford uh, down the middle which is also not bad to have. It doesn't um, hurt. And I am I will say I'm a little intrigued by him. You know, he had 30 points, 15 goals, 15 assists, and only 40, 40, 44 games in the SHL this year. He also stepped up pretty well in playoffs, six goals, six assists, 12 points in 19 games for his club at the SHL. But this and they time, won the championship this year. They, there you go. See, they won the championship. So that, that experience is great, even with it being out in Europe. It doesn't change the fact of how impressive it is. And it's going to be interesting to see how much of an impact, if at all, will have for the Rangers potentially in their bomb six this year. Because when I see signings like this, you know what it reminds me of right away? 
It reminds me of the signings that we've seen in years past with the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, taking advantage by signing some forwards that either were originally drafted in the NHL and then went over to the SHL in the Swiss League, or all in all have just been solid forwards I would like to now come to North America. I think P.S. Suter and also the likes of the uh, the man that was third in Calder voting there in the Shore in 2020 year that unfortunately, you know, outbeat the likes of Adam Fox. Dominic Kubelik. Yeah, Kubelik, exactly. So those those signings but are fun. They, they definitely I, are interesting for me. Kubelik wasn't undrafted, though. He was drafted by the Kings. No, I, he was drafted by the Kings. Yeah. I know. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah but, but still, it's an older player from Europe that you bring over, and, and sometimes it works. Of course, Panarin was a slam dunk for the Blackhawks. Um, but we've seen it with other players, and actually a player that the Rangers played against in the Eastern Conference Final is very similar to Gustav Riedel at the moment. And who would that be? Uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Oh, yes. Came for over sure. in his mid-20s, an undrafted free agent, yep. uh, four-line potential. Uh, came over for a year, worked his ass off, earned a spot on the team, and, you know... Now, now he's he, he's a, he's an NHL regular on the fourth line, but still, he's been um, with some great clubs. You know, with Tampa of recent, then we've seen with the Avalanche. He's been he's been all over the place, but he's definitely been a factor as a speedster there in that bottom six for a lot of contending clubs in recent years, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and and of course we're talking about best case scenario here, you know. But, yeah. but if you get if you get a Belmar level uh, uh, player for free, you do that any day. You know, uh, the guy played for the Flyers for three years. Then he went to Vegas, played for the Colorado Avalanche, like you said. And this year he's with, with Tampa. So he's going up against his old team in the Stanley Cup final, by the way. That's yeah, that's, that's fun for him, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, he also, he, even though he's French, he played in Sweden when he came over. So that is a really good uh, uh, comparison for people who want to see what a potential Gustav Riedel career could look like. Um, and that's best Riedel, case scenario, though, too. Would like to it is best case that. scenario, you know. It, uh, there's a pretty good chance that he might not make it, but let's be positive, you know. Let's 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 try and, and hope that it turns into something. And and I spoke to a couple of uh, Fajestad, uh fans, the team that he played for in Sweden. You know, uh, he's a he's a good he's a good skater. He's strong along the boards, good passer as well. But what really stands out is that he annoys op- opponents. He's pesky. He's a little. He's he's a bit of a pest. Yes, love that. And 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 the way one of them described it to me is, he takes advantage when his opponents get annoyed with him. It's all about mind games yeah. with him and try so, to take advantage of the opposing. That's great. The, I, I, that definitely has intrigue for sure. For the fourth line, that's the type of player that you want. So let let's hope Absolutely. for the best. You know, it's an interesting an interesting signing, um, but don't expect him to be like a top six player. You know. No. Not saying it will never happen, but that shouldn't be the expectation. Agree. I'm glad that you were able to share some further insight on him and his game. That's great to hear, especially for not just most, but I would say the majority of Ranger fans that don't. I mean, I shouldn't say majority, but there's a lot of Ranger fans, obviously, that don't watch many other leagues besides the NHL. So to hear that perspective is always great for sure. But I also um, do it for you, Tyler. I, I, you I mean, do do it for me, 100%. Because I, you know, I don't know how you keep up with the time zones as is, but for me, forget it. I mean, so I need as much stats from Statboy as humanly possible. Okay. Um, but talking about the Rangers now and a little bit forward, uh, further on their offseason, we're not going to deep dive the draft much just yet. You know, we're still ways away from the draft, of course. And it'll be interesting to see what the Rangers do. However, I do know that for the Rangers this year, the perspective's different. Just like last year, you know, they're not in this rebuild anymore. They are a team that 
we're not just looking for what they're going to potentially do draft-wise, but rather what they might do trade-wise in the draft. And we all saw the endless speculation last year. Are the Rangers going to go and do a blockbuster trade at the draft? They decide not to. They went with Othman, and that was a phenomenal pick in hindsight, even though a lot of us Ranger fans were a little confused and a little worrisome at that point in time. I think we just, again, were too cooped up with the idea of trading for like a top six forward that we didn't love the idea of it not being that. But, Stephen, what's kind of your quick outlook on this year's draft. Again, we, we're not going to be deep diving too much right now. Just kind of get a taste on what we could potentially expect from what the Rangers may or may not do in the next month, month plus now. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it, it is still a little bit up in the air what the Rangers can do at the draft because the Winnipeg Jets still have to decide which picks they're going to take. Um, yeah. The Andrew Cobb trade gave them a first-round pick because we made it to the Eastern Conference Final. But we're also giving them a second round pick. Now, the Winnipeg Jets have the choice of either the St. Louis Blues second rounder that we got in the Buchnevich trade, which is this summer, or our second rounder next summer. So if I'm if I'm the Winnipeg Jets general manager, I look at the 2023 draft and think there's a little bit better value in there. Let's go with that pick. If, if the Winnipeg Jets end up doing that, the Rangers might not have a first-round pick, but they have two second-round picks. And those picks can be used as trade capital. Those picks can be used to trade back into the first round. Um, there's a lot of things you can do with those draft picks. So personally, I hope that they would use those two second-round picks to trade up into the first round. I, at this stage of where the Rangers are in their rebuild, you know, they, they just finished phase one, they're in phase two. I rather go with a first round pick than with two second round picks because I have the depth already. You know, we we have a ton of prospects. I want a better chance at at drafting that really good player. So I rather have a first round pick. Um, if the Rangers can find a team that's willing to trade away a first round pick for two seconds, I think Jury should definitely uh, go for that. Uh, but we'll get into who would be a potential target when we get closer to the draft when we know where the Rangers are picking um, because a lot can like, it, it's, it's still three, three, four weeks away. You know, a lot can happen. We still have to Stanley cup final to get through. Um, but other than that, you know, a week after the draft is going to be prospect development camp. Uh, all the prospects, the Rangers are drafting are going to meet in New York in, in white plains. Um, are they part of the tri city tournament this year? Um, the Traverse City tournament, I, I don't know. It hasn't been announced yet, but okay. hopefully hopefully that's happening again. Um, there's going to be a lot of prospects that the Rangers are already familiar with that will be joining that prospect group for, for their prospect camp in Brennan Othman, Will Cooley, Matt Rempe. Um, basically, every prospect except the ones that are in college and the ones that are uh, that are in, in Europe, I think, because they might not be able to come over because there are still some restrictions travel-wise. But um, So that's early July. And then when you get to August, you, you, you start to prepare for like a potential Traverse City tournament preseason. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a short off-season, to be honest. Well, I do know that. For the draft, I think I may be out. Do you know what uh, day is the first day of the draft this year? I think this year they're doing it on a Thursday and a Friday, which is the reason I'm not flying to, to Montreal for it. Do you know? Um, do you know like what uh, days it is though? Like the actual. Yeah, day yeah let me look it up. I think it's the seventh and the eighth um, of July. 
Yeah, July seventh, okay. which is a Thursday, weird. Okay. And then July eighth, which is a Friday. Normally, day one is on Friday, which is just the evening. Yeah, and then the and day then two is on Saturday. Day two is on Saturday. So last time I flew in for a draft was 2019 in Vancouver. I took mm -hmm. the Friday off, flew to Vancouver, went to day one. Next day, went to day two. And then on Sunday, I flew back home. Yeah. I arrived back in Vienna Monday morning, go straight to work. Cost me one day. There you go. Now, I'm going to have to take the Thursday off. I'm going to have to take the Friday off. That's already two days. So I'm going to skip the draft this year. Yeah, I'm not going to. I, you and I have had these discussions. We definitely want to both meet up and do like uh, the draft at some point. But especially with yeah. it being out of the country for me as well with my well, schedule, it's just not the, ideal. The, the other reason is also that there are still some restrictions here yeah. or there, you know, and it makes it's not 100 percent in Canada yet. We know that. So I'd rather just wait another year and then and then enjoy the draft in its full glory again and hopefully 2023. Yes. So fingers crossed in 2023. It'll be interesting to see how we covered the draft as it happens. I would imagine that we will probably maybe do, if we can do something on draft night, then awesome. Um, but at worst, I would say then we just cover recapping the draft like we have in years prior, like right after the draft of day two, like maybe right into the beginning of, um, after that. I might, I might have a commitment for the draft already to be, uh, to be on a stream elsewhere. So, okay. That's perfectly. If, if, that, if that's the case, that's perfectly fine. That'll just give us more incentive to yeah. have all the picks round up and stuff. Because again, the channel that you guys follow here on YouTube, it's not it's not like what how I originally started things. You're not going to be seeing me just doing coverage of the draft for the sake of doing the coverage for all teams. I would love to do that, but my schedule just doesn't allow me. That's why we're Rangers-centric here for the pod. So yeah, I mean, at worst, we'll just recap it and go down through all the picks, all potential trades. If a blockbuster trade happens, then we will, of course, try to react in real time should that transpire. But again, we don't know that at this point in time, so that'll be uh, quite literally just a wait-and-see situation. Um, so now, we talked about the draft for a little bit. We talked about the Rangers and what their offseason outlook looks like to this point. Next time we talk, I'm sure we'll be deep diving things further on the, you know, the free agent front and potentially who the Rangers should seek after in the free agent market and or trade market, right? That's going to be a bulk of the discussion over the next couple of weeks to a month plus. But for now, Stephen, I think it is a great time that we take a look on the current prospect update you have for us before we get close to wrapping things up for today's show. Because I know that there are some more prospect updates for us to dive into outside of the signings of Vitaly Krasov to see what he will potentially bring for the Rangers, either get his value up, or, of course, maybe just finally make an impact for this Rangers club in 2022-2023. But beyond that, how has everything been looking with the young kids? Uh, well, there's not that much to update because the season's almost over for – well, season's over for almost, almost all of them. Yeah. Um, right now, there are only two prospects still playing, uh, Will Cooley and Matt Rempe in the uh, major juniors. Uh, Cooley in the Ontario Hockey League is in the final. Uh, they're down 3-2. They're going into game six now. Uh, Matt, Matt Rempe and the Seattle Thunderbirds in the WHL, the Western Hockey League, are also in the final down 3-2 going into game six. So it's a little bit of an uphill battle for both prospects, but there is a possibility that we have some prospects actually going to the Memorial Cup this year, which is, well, for me, that's exciting. I, I, would, I would love to see Ranger, Ranger prospects uh, go at it for the Memorial Cup. Um, Quick, I'll just quickly explain what the Memorial Cup is for people who don't know. Uh, so in major junior hockey in Canada, you basically have three leagues. You have the Western Hockey League, which is 
the states of Oregon, Washington, and then the provinces of British Columbia, Alberta, and the one where Winnipeg is. Which one is that? Um, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the Western Hockey League. Then you have the Ontario Hockey League. I mean, the name gives it away. It's Ontario. And then there's three teams in, uh, in, in the United States. There's the Flint Firebirds and Saginaw Spirit in Michigan and the Erie Otters in Pennsylvania. And then the third league you have is the QMJHL, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which, of course, is in Quebec. Um, and every year, the three champions of those leagues play in like a – like 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 sort of like a champions league with one other team that hosts for the year so you have four teams that then compete for the memorial cup it's that's basically in 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 a minute what the memorial cup is so we have potentially two ranger prospects going for the memorial cup um other than that um no new updates. Uh, there are some movements, of course. Jaroslav Malars, who's from the Czech Republic, who played in Finland ever since he was 14, is moving to uh, the NCAA for next season. He's going to okay. play at the, for the Providence Friars with Brett Verard. Love so that. we have two prospects on the same college team. Makes me really want to go to Providence for a game, actually. <laughs> I'm game. sure that's very enticing for someone like yourself. And I don't it blame is. you. If I could, that would definitely be a fun experience as well. It is. It is. So um, that'll be interesting. And other than that, no real updates prospect-wise. Of course, we'll know more when we see which prospects are being re-signed by the Rangers. Or some of them have expiring contracts. So, um, yeah, I'll probably have some more news on that in a couple of weeks. Sweet. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I know that we're still, you know, in the downtime here of the season where most players, if not all, are out of it. So it's going to be fun to break down. As we get in the offseason updates on them too in their future when more guys potentially signing ELCs and just overall what this Rangers organization will be looking like in the months to come. Um, so now let's get into a couple of questions before we wrap up today's show. I still wrap up things probably, you know, in the next, I'd say five to 10 minutes. Won't be a crazy long QA just because QA segments, I think, will be a bulk of our discussion in the weeks going forward, unless we really have a lot of breaking news to discuss. Uh, that's a fun thing about the offseason getting to interact with a lot of fellow Ranger fans. I, I'm never complaining on that front. I do see a couple of questions I would like to answer first that we do see here. Uh, one is from David. David, thank you so much for the comment. He says, do we know whether any of the players' performance bonuses were hit this year? And, Stephen, I'm sure that you would have the answer to that one, so we're going to pivot to you. That's that's an interesting question and one I did not see coming, actually. Okay, well, um, let's give let's give you a moment to try to look that up. I'm, I'm sure. Can you just find that through Cap Friendly? Uh, yeah, so there's only uh, a couple of players who – who actually were eligible for performance bonuses. Okay. Uh, so it's Kako, Lafreniere, and I think uh, probably Braden Schneider. Um, I just clicked on Matthew Robertson. That's that's not it. <laughs> um, yeah, Braden Schneider had only $400,000 in potential performance bonuses. Um, it's it's Alexi Lafreniere and Kako Kako that are, that are the real issues, so to speak, cap-wise. Because their performance bonuses for Kako, it's it's up to 2.6 million. And for Lafreniere, it's up to 2.8. But I don't think they hit any of their bonuses. They were, no, they were, not, they were not top 10 in any of the rankings among among uh, young players. They, they, they were not 
Um, you know, they, they, they were not selected to like a rookie all-star. They weren't top 10 in voting for an individual trophy. So I don't think they hit any of their performance bonuses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, is it a negative in the sense that they didn't have a stronger season than what they did? A little bit, but nothing that I think is drastic, especially with Laffy. I mean, Laffy and Kako both have their strong moments, but Alexi and what he provided in playoffs, I mean, he, in my opinion, I'm just unbelievably ecstatic for. I feel like for Kako, it's just going to be a continued wait and see on his front. And I do still expect plenty more from him. Again, he's only 21. They're both 2021. 20, I'm not concerned whatsoever, but not complaining yeah. that they didn't hit their bonuses. That helps this Rangers team right now, for sure. Speak, speaking of Kako, I mean, there, there are quite a few players picked in the top of the draft that that didn't really hit their stride until they were 24, 25 years old. Yeah, and, and I know that laundry list consists of the likes of, you know, Claude Giroux, uh, Mark Scheifele. Um, there's a bunch of others. Those were just two that popped in my head right away, though. Daniel and Henrik Sedin, James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah. Um, Thomas Vanek was a fifth overall pick. Didn't really didn't really hit. Uh, Jonathan Huberdo. Yeah, Hubie is the prime. Hubie is a great example of a guy that, again, just needed more development, needed a better team around him. It wasn't just about oh. playing time with him. It was really By about the way, if, their ability. If Mark of Big Apple Hockey is listening, it's Jonathan Huberdo. Jonathan Huberdo, Jonathan Huberdo. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to Mark. Um, let's see, Raphael with the $5 donation. Thank you so much for that. Uh, he says, how do you think the Rangers uh, move for, will fortify their defense and a potential post-Truba Rangers team in the longer term? That's a great question. I, I would say it's a little hard away just because we don't know when will this be a post-Truba Rangers team, right? Could the Rangers somehow, some way work out a trade over the next couple of years? Yes, but the odds aren't in their favor based on his current contract situation. Um, but eventually when Truba is gone, if that is at all in the near future, say over the next two years, I would imagine that the Rangers would fortify that by one, acquiring a defenseman that's available in either the free agent or trade market that's younger and controllable, that they have more appeal in. And two, having the assumption that one of the other young studs that the Rangers have in the farm, if not two, truly blossom in the likes of Niels. The same thing with Robertson, Jones, etc. So they definitely have that nice core group there and uh, with the Wolfpack that should hopefully propel them to not have too difficult of a situation where it's basically like, yeah, we don't need you anymore because we have guys that can slot in right now are cheaper and can help us down the stretch in this core group of a dynasty fingers crossed over the next five, 10 years, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the question to me, the question is not if the Rangers move Truba, it's a question of when, um, do they wait for his no move clause to expire or do they sit him down and go in 2023? Listen, your no move clause expires next season, but we want to trade you now. And where do you want to go? And we'll try to make it work. Yeah. You know, he can pick his destination by saying, I will only waive to be traded to the Dallas Stars, the Seattle Kraken, or the Toronto Maple Leafs, just naming three random teams. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how you can work it out. That's how you can make it work with Truba. But I don't think Truba is going to be here when we win a cup. That's that. That's very interesting. And that's going to be very interesting to see if that holds true or not. You know, it's not like the Raiders are far off this year from getting to the cup to begin with. Um, okay, we have a comment here from Ranger who donated earlier. Thank you again for that. He says, Stephen, do you think Gordon and Drury are up to something with Krasov? The quick signing has some, you know, he's basically feeling a little suspect. Why were they so quick to make this deal happen? Uh, Krasov signed a while ago. 
Yeah, that's why I figured. And it just became public now. Well, the Rangers don't really like to announce signings for the new season while they're still playing. And that's why it was announced today. Of course, uh, Kravtsov's agent announced it yesterday. But the reason it was only announced today by the Rangers officially, same with Gustav Riedel, is because they don't want to announce signings while they're still in the playoffs. Gustav Riedel signed with the Rangers two months ago, and they only announced it today officially through the channel. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything with Gordon or Drury. Um, I think the Rangers really want value out of Kravtsov, whether that's on the ice or in a trade. Uh, they're not going to give him up for nothing. So if Gordon wants him, he can have him for the right price. And Massaro says, unless I'm mistaken during the handshake line, it looks like Jan Ruda and Alexi Lafreniere skipped by one another. Was there any bad blood between them during the series? I noticed that too, and I, I'm not sure. Nothing that like drastically stood out to me. I don't know if that was just a simple miss or you know a misunderstanding. I, I, I genuinely do not know. It's a fair question, though. I didn't watch the handshake line, so okay. I, I missed it. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we'll get to a couple more comments before we wrap up things here. Uh, let's see. There was two that stood out to me a little bit here. Um, hold on. Think the Rangers don't re-sign Strom. John text, uh, typed that earlier saying that no chance Strom is back, right? So, yeah, John's really curious on the future of Strom. He's a big wild card. You know, he is the biggest wild card, in my opinion. And no, I yeah. think if the Rangers didn't acquire Cop, then this would be a little bit of a different discussion. Not drastic, but definitely a different discussion than what we're having right now. So here's, here's an interesting question, right? Let's say there's a scenario where Cop is demanding 5.5 to 6 million a year. And Strom says, I'm willing to stay. I'll take only 4 million. Do the Rangers go with Strom over Cop then? I feel like they go with Cop just because of the versatility he brings. Yeah, I think if Cop wasn't versatile, uh, you know, it would basically almost be a coin flip. How bad has Ryan Strom been though? Ryan Strom has been terrible. I wouldn't say I Ryan mean, has been terrible. If he is, if he has really been dealing with a, with a pelvic injury since January. Then, then that takes away a lot of the a lot of the concerns that I have in with his with his production, him, signing him to an extension. Yeah, and if if Strom is willing to take a pay cut to stay with the Rangers, I would seriously, I would at least think about it. Absolutely, I, I would definitely think about it. Short term pay cut to just stay with us for another year or two tops. Yeah. I don't think he's going to do that either. Um, I think he'll probably no, do no, I mean, that's the interest of, you know, if, him if, I'm Ryan Strom, if I'm Ryan Strom, the first time I can actually cash in as a free agent, I just go with whatever I can get. It's hard I, to pass I still up. think I still think a team like Seattle or Ottawa is going to offer him $7 million a year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that I think that the majority of the Rangers that do not return will get massive paydays. That'll be mm -hmm. like, they'll deserve that all in the world, but you know how free agency works. Everyone gets overpaid in the free agent market. I think it's important for the Rangers to make sure that they eliminate that as much as humanly possible for guys that are replaceable. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on that as well, right? As amazing, you know, let's let's take for instance, Artemi Panarin is on a massive contract, but I don't think there's anyone here in the room right now that would say that Artemi Panarin has been worth the money that he has been provided thus far, correct? 
You know, yeah. it, there's a difference between overpayments for superstars that you know are still going to make it, it ridiculous impact in the end and making and breaking your team versus overpaying for a type of average player, someone that, again, can be replaceable potentially even within your system. You know, because there was one last comment here, and again, it's going to be interesting. It was regarding Philip Heedle, I believe, asking what Philip Heedle's role may be next year. Will be bigger? Will be more significant? And my quick answer to that is that will be directly in line with what the Rangers do here with these free agents. Do the Rangers have an outlook and think maybe Philip Heedle might just be able to take that next step as a top six center? Do they feel that they were swayed enough what we saw here in the uh, in the playoffs to say, hey, okay, now let's give him more of a leash. Uh, they feel he's deserving. They're going to bank on that a little bit too, not just for financial reasons, but also for the hopes that he really does blossom out of what we saw, which was a lightning in the bottle here in playoffs. So, Stephen, mm. what's kind of your quick take on Heedle and his potential future? At some point, you're gonna, you, you have to hope that he takes that next step. Um, will this postseason be an indicator of, of him being ready for that next step? Or is the uh, the streak he was on just another hot streak? That's my concern. Yep. We've that, seen those are fair concerns. Last, we've seen Hito over the last five years go on, on 10, 15-game hot streaks where he scores the most amazing goals, and then he goes – and he goes silent for two months. Yeah. The question for me is the hot streak we just saw, is that just another hot streak? And did it just happen to be during the postseason? Or has he really turned a corner? And I hope I hope it's the latter, but uh that's a risk that, that Drury has to has to weigh, you know. And that's a risk where it could be by all means worth taking, but it also could be the demise of the Rangers next season, you know. Like if he's saying and- let's say in the hypothetical world where the Rangers do not bring back Ryan Strom, and they're really c- debating on Andrew Kopp. And even let's just say Kopp does, isn't brought back, just for the sake of the argument here. Heedle's moved up into the top six, and they view him as, okay, a young, controllable contract. They, they really believe they're going to get the next level out of him now. If he succeeds, and then it just mm-hmm. proves that Drury is being an absolute genius with why he's doing this development. But if he mm-hmm. doesn't, and he becomes a huge problem where the Rangers don't just have – depth issues with their center position at top six, but now for like the majority of the lineup, then you find yourself in a greater concern where, Hey, we're taking a step back than what we did last year. Even with the guys that we know we couldn't bring back prior to that, we're still not playing to the same Compton hockey yeah. that we were in the first half of this past season. So that, that's a red flag. I don't think Drury is going to take that risk to that degree. I think they're too much in playoff mode. And I think that Drury also is weighing the likes of Mr. Dolan watching down too, but we also, it's, it's an intriguing thought. Yeah, we also have to realize that free agency is very tricky. It's unbelievably tricky. Free agency can set you up for life, or it can ruin you for a decade. And that's why you um, can't just you can't just be throwing out big bad contracts yeah. for the sake the, of doing the, it. The 2016 uh, free agency class. Uh, I looked them up actually because I, I wanted to get the numbers right here. Milan Lucic, seven <laughs> years, six million a year. Kalik Poso, seven years, six million a year. Andrew Ladd, seven years, 5.5 million. Louis Erickson, six years, six million. Hmm. Franz Nielsen, six years, 5.2 million. David Backus, five years, six million. Troy Brower, four years, 4.5 million. How many of those contracts have worked out, Stephen? None. Exactly. No. And granted, granted, 2016 was a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, it, it was on paper, just not no, a good looking for agent class to begin with, but it provides but the same point. It shows you that it's risky. 
Yeah. Know, free agency is, is incredibly risky. And you need to be sure that the player you were going for is going to actually be beneficial to your team. You know, um, the San Jose Sharks giving Mikkel Botker a four-year deal with a $4 million cap hit. And I don't, th- and I don't think of um, Mikel Bakker as a San Jose Shark one bit. I think of him no. during his time with Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah. But that, but that's the kind of contract that Vetrano is looking for. Yeah, exact, exactly. You know, a hundred percent. So, I have nothing against Vetrano. I just don't think a player that never hit forty points in a single season is worth over four million. And that's a completely fair argument. And I think it would be different if the Rangers just had this plethora of cap space and were able to just say, hey, we can do this for a couple of years. And then by the time those deals are up, we're going to have to start paying, you know, the young studs. But no, they're already in this array. They've already committed to their veterans on the club that are going to be here for the next four or five years. And they are already starting to commit to the young top prospects that they drafted over the past couple. So yeah, it's a different circumstance for the Rangers. And that's why as, as much as I love basically everyone that was traded for at the deadline has provided this team, you know, there's a reason why the Rangers were able to do that then. And there's a reason why they will more than likely not be able to sustain them all now. Yeah, true. Okay. All right, Stephen. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Rangers Review, our first of many off-season discussions that you'll see here on the Rangers Review YouTube channel. And of course, wherever we get your podcast. Uh, before we get to wrapping things up, it is episode number 60, Stephen. So is there a number that the Rangers have worn as number 60 in the regular season? Because I, nothing's crossing my mind. Nothing whatsoever. Is there even any one in preseason? That honorable was- mention is 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 actually a goalie that signed. We didn't even mention him. Um, I was going to say it would be a goalie if anyone. Our goalie prospect that signed his, his entry-level contract last month. Garan? In prospect camp, he wore number 60, Olaf Lindbaum. Oh, oh, okay. There you go. Back in 2018, uh, prospect bi- camp, he wore number 60 for the Rangers. Yep, yep, the big the biggest second round draft pick the Rangers ever had. And it goes No, Dylan Garand is someone who will come up in a couple of months when we're talking numbers. Okay, yes, he is a guy that I'm intrigued to see what factor if at all he may have in Alexander Georgiev's future. If you couldn't get the gist by now. Um, but okay, perfect. Well, Again, I want to thank everyone once more that chimed in for this latest episode of Rangers View. Steven and I should hopefully be back a week or so now with more fun discussions regarding the offseason. Again, now we can just lay back, enjoy our summer, and focus on what is ahead, which, again, will be a fast and hectic offseason for the Rangers. Hopefully that hecticness is more in a positive manner than it is a negative. But until then, we will see you guys there. So have a great rest of your week, everybody. We appreciate you. And, Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.